Thanks for checking out today's episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. This is your only source for daily Syracuse Orange podcast. We've got part two of our conversation with the officer, Zach Mahoney, coming up in just a second. We'll talk about some of his accomplishments at Syracuse, including the three big games that he started, LSU, Florida State, and Clemson. We'll also talk about some of the behind the scenes of the Clemson upset and a rapid fire, including some interesting stuff about Eric Dungy and maybe something that you didn't know about one of the most prolific quarterbacks in Syracuse history. So let's get into it. Here's part two with Zach Mahoney. So you started nine games during your career, but three of them are against three of the most premier programs in the country, Florida State, LSU, and Clemson. And it wasn't just like you came in there and rolled out of bed and just kind of played in them. You had seven total touchdowns in those three games. Do you ever just, when you're in the office now uh, at the real estate office, you kind of flex that to the people there? (laughs) Uh, Not at all. One, because we lost all three of those games. And two, um, you know, it's, as fun as it was, it's and it definitely is going to be a part of my life that I will cherish forever. It's not something that you know I I would just bring up randomly. You know, if someone asks me questions about it, I'll answer it. But it's not something I'll just say, "Hey, my name's Zach. I played Syracuse quarterback, broke a couple records, played against some of the best teams." <laughs> but you know, I definitely do cherish the moments that I had there, and will remember the the people I played against, and having some of those superstars you know, come up after the game and just talk with them for a little bit. And, you know, again, those moments are kind of just surreal looking back on it. Yeah, staying humble there. I'm curious, going back to kind of the transition from Schaefer to Babers, what changed offensively and how much of an adjustment was it with like maybe a new playbook and a new style of offense? Uh, Everything changed with Lester and Schaefer. The offense was, you know, it was a triple option run with a pro style pass. They wanted to slow the game down. They wanted to eat up as much clock as possible. And if they could have, they would have wanted to win every game 21 to 14 or something like that with the tough nose defense. And the philosophy with Schaefer was defense is going to help the offense out. And then the offense will give the defense rest to keep doing their thing. And then Babers rolls in and everything is the exact opposite. It's we're going to go fast. We're going to go put up points. There's going to be guys trying to um, compete with us and they can't. And it's going to be the offense that's going to help the defense because we're going to be up so much. The offense is only going to be able to throw the ball. And that's when the defense, you know, creates the turnovers, gets the big stops and everything like that. The, the running was uh, pretty similar um not from the triple option standpoint but just the you know the other zones and the powers and then the passing in itself i mean that's its entirely own art form there's not a lot of teams that run that pass system it's very much college oriented you don't see a lot of pro teams running those and so everything pretty much changed so Getting back to your Bears fandom, all right? You played head-to-head against Deshaun Watson. You know how good he is out there on the field, and and you've been on the field for other games that he played in. Does that make it even more infuriating that Mitch Trubisky was drafted second overall? So I'm going to go two parts here. 
first part, kind of briefly going back to some of the cooler moments that I've had with guys is, so my first year when I started against Clemson, you know, I played, played against them and it was pretty cool after the game. I had a nice conversation with their middle linebacker, Ben Bolware. He had his thick accent and we were just talking about the game and he was, you know, kind of an all American at the time. So it was, that was kind of the first cool thing that happened there. And then after the game, I remember seeing Deshaun and I just, you know, walked by, didn't think anything of it. And he actually ended up coming. We just spoke a little bit and said, you know, good luck with the rest of the season. And then the following year when we played Clemson, we lost 54 to nothing at Clemson. They have the tradition where the fans run on the field after the game every time, no matter when or whatever. And I remember seeing Deshaun – he was probably 15 yards away from me and, you know, I just threw him a hello, put my hand up thinking, you know, I just wanted him to see that I was saying hi to him. And he maneuvered his way through the kids on the field to come dap me up, say, how is everything going? You know, check in on me. And the last thing I said to him was, I hope the bears draft you. He turned around, (laughs) smiled and said, me too. Ah, uh, no, he didn't. And I, I'm not even, I've, it was one of the most vivid memories that I had from football. And I just started smiling and I was like, well, there's, you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance. And then we trade up and draft Trubisky. And, you know, as a Bears fan, I hope the moves that we're making this offseason, bringing in Nick Foles is going to spark Mitch because if Mitch played the way he played in his last year, the way he played in his first year under Nagy and was, we were putting up points, we probably would have won the Super Bowl of the year, the double doing. I hope something changes from a quarterback perspective because the Chicago Bears have never really had a a franchise guy. They've never had one of the big names. They've always had the defense that has gotten you there, and whoever's at quarterback just has to be a little – little better than the other guy and hopefully we can do that this year because i'd love to have a couple more parades in chicago there's no city that does it better hopefully there's a season but you know there's uh i I just hope some things get turned around you have no idea how much that hurts me to hear that story (laughs) so i guess for you too when you're studying other defenses and with mitch playing in the acc you probably saw him on film a couple times too right uh, we did. Yeah, we took a couple, uh, took a couple of notes from North Carolina and implemented them throughout the year. And I, you know, there were a couple of guys that we saw a lot and that was Trubisky and Daniel Jones. And I, I remember both years when they got drafted from watching their film. Cause we, like you mentioned, we watched a lot of it. Nothing jumped off to me compared to some of the other guys that were in the draft that said, I need, we need him. Uh, he's, he's just an absolute stud. And it was kind of the same thing that was going on with Trubisky it was the same thing with Daniel Jones. When people started mentioning he was going to be a first round draft pick, I thought people were joking. And then it turned out both of them happened. And, you know, obviously I never wish anyone bad. I, I'm, I was very confused when they were taken and I hope, uh, you know, they stay healthy, but uh, as a Bears fan, you obviously think that, you know, 
could have not traded up and you could have gotten Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes and it, it really breaks my heart. Syracuse fans, I think it's become kind of a joke is they sort of struggle to understand how they should remember your legacy or how you should go down because your record isn't great, but you also played against these really tough teams. And then despite playing and coming in as a fifth stringer, you are just outside the top 10 in career touchdown passes. You have that single game record against Pittsburgh. So I guess what will you remember most about your time from SU? I loved it. Uh, I obviously wish we could have won more games and could have experienced the bowl game and, you know, just give the the Syracuse fans the the wins that they want so badly. And I wish I, you know, we could have done it to where we sell out the Carrier Dome every single year, no matter what. Um, and unfortunately, it just never got to that point. We, you know, we lost a couple of really close games against some top teams and, at the end of the day, it's it's still a loss. Um, so I, when people, you know, I've heard that a couple of times, how should I be remembered? You know, frankly, I hope people just break these records and I can just go back to being one of the guys that just enjoyed college and had, uh, you know, has a couple of fun stories about it. But, you know, the records that are there should, uh, should come from guys who, you know, have led the teams to – either win that game or just winning seasons. So one of the big wins that you you were part of the team for was obviously that Clemson win. C- going back into the archives of all of that, what what are some of the, the untold stories from that whole experience, whether it's the week in practice leading up to it or, or the celebration after or even some of the things that happened during the game? It was just weird. Uh, Clemson was... So some of the teams that you mentioned are – they just had incredible athletes and maybe they're a little undisciplined. Um, like LSU, they'll line up in man every single time and just say, try to beat us. Clemson and their defensive coordinator, Brett Venables, and Davo Sweeney, the, what they do is so unique where – I mean, that's why they're one of the top teams is because not only do they have the athletes, but now they have the schemes. and. I remember when we got that first touchdown from Eric to Irv right up the middle and you saw Clemson blue uh, coverage. That was one of the first signs that I was like, something definitely can happen sooner rather than later. I, you know, I thought going into it, obviously we can win. I go into every game thinking that, but I thought it may have been, you know, come down to a last drive, uh, chalk it up for the history books. But when they blew that coverage and we scored and our defense was just playing unreal, it, it really was a sign of how everyone can come together and just ball out. And that's exactly what we did. And for us to kind of just take them over the entire game and not really worry if the comeback's going to happen, even at the end there, you just knew the defense was going to stop. You just had that feeling. And it was uh, it was one of the best feelings. Now, when it came to, the win after, I guess one of the stories would be how, you know, we were smoking cigars in the locker room or at least had cigars. And I remember just enjoying mine, talking with the guys. And I turned around all of a sudden, I just saw Dabo Sweeney there. And he just wanted to come in and, you know, congratulate everyone. And it, you know, there's, 
it's pretty weird seeing a coach come in and congratulate you when you're celebrating a game like that. And I hope uh, Syracuse can get to the point where beating Clemson is just an every year thing and we don't need to do it. Or if we, uh, you know, make that a, a more important game. But it's, you know, it's little little things like that. Seeing uh, the, you know, the almighty Dabo Sweeney come down and just try to, make everyone else feel a little bit better was kind of cool. That's a classy move from Dabo there. So what was the celebration like when Babers goes into one of his classic rants and gets you guys pumped up in the locker room? I guess the first one you would have experienced in that nature was Virginia Tech, right? Yep. What's it uh, like being in the locker room when he does that? It's it's pretty incredible. He's got – I think he's got a very good voice and he's very persuasive and, you know, he's got a lot of good rhetoric that comes to it. And anytime after those wins, it's, I mean, he could have just said nothing and we would have gone crazy just because of how everything happened and how good we were feeling, but he definitely adds, you know, fuel to it. And he knows the best way to get the, his guys to just motivated and pumped up after. And uh, so it's, it's always fun to, be in the locker room after the game, after a win. So after that Clemson game, first practice back, who was the most hungover? Uh, wasn't me because I went way too hard Friday that I didn't even go out Saturday or Sunday. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was an incredible weekend, but um, honestly, I couldn't remember. I think we got to the point where we we had a meeting with the guys and we, we just said, you know, cause we've been at this point before where we can either, um, we can either take this as win as the last win and kind of enjoy the rest of our season, or we can try to move past it and just get on to the next. And I think that's what a lot of us did. Um, unfortunately it didn't turn out um, the way we would hope after that win. But it was, uh, I mean, it was definitely one of the the better feelings and one of the better wins of my career. So going off the field briefly here, I know we saw one of your big things off the field that you were involved with was uplifting athletes. And obviously that's a really powerful message behind it. It seems like you got really involved in that. What did that whole experience mean to you? It meant a lot. Uh one, I just I really enjoy being able to to give back just because when you experience that and you see the thrill that you can give to other people that normally don't get that experience, it means a lot. And, you know, me, one of my best friends growing up um, had a rare disease and still does. He's still fighting to this day. And so the rare disease community has affected me from an early age. So when I found out what uplifting athletes did and how they did it and what they do, it meant just that much more that, you know, I had that connection from my childhood to want to participate. And then, you know, being able to see the people that we've helped out throughout the years is, you know, it just means a lot. We'll get towards the end of this here. We just got some rapid fire questions for you. Uh, I'll start with this one. Who from your time at SU was your best friend on the team? 
Uh, I'd go with Austin Wilson on that one. And then who's your favorite wide receiver to throw to? I mean, I, personally, I, uh, you know, I put, I'd say Amba. Just we had uh, he was always fun, and he made me look a lot better than I was. Who's the teammate that you have that you'd least like to be quarantined with now? Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's. Oh, I'm not. I'm you can, not you can list off like three. Just, no, no. At the end of the day, they're still my guys, but no, there, there's definitely a, a decent amount of people that I. Oh, I couldn't do that with. <laughs> All right. We'll let you pass on that one. What's the <laughs> restaurant you miss the most from Syracuse? Possibilities. Um, that tomato sauce is basically crack. And yeah. I wish that it was everywhere else. What, what was your go-to dish there? Uh, I tried changing it up every time. Uh, that's one of the things when I go to a restaurant, is I really enjoy – changing it up because uh, if it wasn't possibilities it was definitely chilies with the guys um we ended up being regulars at chilies and you know i'd always just try to mix things up but uh you know it's it's hard to it's hard to pick just one thing i don't know how i never saw you at chilies once because i mean <laughs> we, we were there all the time too we got to the point where we had the same waitress at the same, same table every time and it was just I mean it was it was great. So so who's the Chili's crew with you guys? So the Chili's crew would have been uh Eric Dungey, Kylan Whitner, Ryan Guthrie, and then whoever else wanted to go to Chili's at that time. And then what what was your favorite class that you took at Syracuse? FST four twenty two, the study of beer and wine. <laughs> Well said. It was, uh, uh, yeah. Is there one play that you'd like to have back? Uh, there's, there's a lot of plays I'd like to have back. Um, there, there are so many that I know if one, uh, one of these plays changed, it would have changed the impact of the game. Um, I mean, there's too many to count there too. Yeah. We'll go the opposite side on a positive note. What what do you think is your best play of your Syracuse career? Oh, best play? I no clue what – I mean, so many different people would say so many different things. Uh, for me, uh, my favorite play is my first touchdown to Briz. The, I mean, I still remember the play call and everything, and it was it was one of those moments that, you know, you just threw a touchdown against LSU – and you know, there's probably nobody more hype than me, and it was uh, it was a fun uh, fun play. I'm glad everything worked out the way we had thought it did, and you know, I, I enjoyed that one a little bit more than some of the others. What's one thing about Eric Dungey that most people don't know? Uh, he's got webbed toes. Does he really? Not not all of them, just a couple of them. But yeah, it's. Uh, we always say that's why he's a faster swimmer. And if, you know, if he ever wants to do the Olympics and swim and he's got a little bit of an advantage. Is that even allowed? Uh, like that feels like I a mean, PED almost. No, <laughs> you can't discriminate against people like that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. All right. Final one here before we let you go. What's your best Coach Baber story? 
Um, We're putting you on the spot here. These are tough. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we ever went out and got a beer and had these conversations that, you know, probably some of the other guys did. We were, uh, we very much had a business relationship. It was very football oriented. That What's one time where I he mean, just like reamed you out? Uh, there were so many times. It, it got to any time we were competing so hard in practice. It, I mean, it got to the point where if you missed a throw, you had to take a lap. And he would come in and throw the ball to the receivers during the drills because he didn't want to waste time because four of his quarterbacks were running around the field. We're running around the field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are uh, fun. But, I mean, from a story standpoint, giving the scholarship in itself is probably going to be the, the number yeah. one story I have for the rest of my life until I have kids or something. Fun stuff there with Zach Mahoney. Hopefully we can have him on during the football season, maybe even break down some of the action once sports get back up and running. But tomorrow and actually Friday as well, we've got another two-part series coming your way. It's going to be with Ben Burrows from Syracuse.com and the Syracuse Post Standard. We've got a state of Syracuse basketball recruiting. So we recorded that the other night. It's got a lot of fun stuff, a lot of good stuff. So definitely check that out on tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. So for Tim Leonard, I'm Tyler Rocky. Hope you're all staying inside. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy as well. We've got Ben Burrows tomorrow. Be sure to also check out Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, a new podcast on the Locked On Network for all things NBA draft. Who knows? Maybe even little Elijah Hughes talk slid in there with Chad Ford. So be sure to check that out once you're done listening to this podcast. We will talk to you with Ben Burrows tomorrow. Tomorrow.